This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. First an introduction to the, to the Gospel. In fact, first of all, an introduction to all four, really. Uh, the four Gospels give the life of Jesus from four different points of view. Matthew is the King Gospel and shows Jesus as the King. Mark, the one we're going to look at today, is the Servant Gospel and shows Jesus the Servant. Luke shows him as a man and John shows the divine aspect of Jesus. So the four between them give an all-round view of Jesus Christ, better than just the one one view would have done. Mark then that we're going to look at is the servant gospel. It shows Jesus the servant of the Lord God. Hence we're not surprised at the beginning that there's no genealogy of Jesus. A servant doesn't know any genealogy, doesn't know who his forebears are. Unlike a king who can trace his genealogy back many generations like our queen can. So, no genealogy at the beginning, as the servant has no genealogy. There's no record of of his birth either. The birth of a servant is an insignificant matter, so servants are usually born in obscurity, so we have no record of that either. But it doesn't end there, because there's very little teaching in Mark's Gospel. I don't know if you noticed that, but there's very little actual teaching of the Lord Jesus in Mark's Gospel. And I notice in your series you haven't got one uh, teachings in the gospel you've got miracles parables and people Jesus met you haven't done one on this so that's in line with, with my notes I've prepared um, that there isn't a lot on the teaching of, of Jesus in because a servant doesn't teach does he? Uh, a servant runs around doing this and doing that performing tasks doesn't he? and that's what we've got in Jesus in, in Mark's gospel and he uses the word straightway a number of times. You may have noticed the word straightway occurs in, in, John, in Mark's Gospel. A servant's running hither and thither, scurrying around, doing this, doing that. And uh, a servant is a worker, not a teacher. So miracles or works take a prominent place. Jesus is seen in Mark's Gospel as a very busy person. Now obviously we can't look at all the miracles in John's Gospel. Sorry, Mark's Gospel. Can't look at them all. I thought what we'd do is look at Mark chapter 5, because there's three miracles in that chapter, and they are a cross section of, of the miracles that Jesus did. They give us a good cross section, as we shall see. Now, in Mark chapter 5, if you turn with me, the first miracle there is to do with legion, the casting out of devils. Now, when you stop and think about it, That shows Christ's power over the mind. Got that? Then we get the woman with the issue of blood. And that shows power over the body. Then you get Jairus' daughter raised to life. Showing power over death. So we've got a good cross section here, haven't we? Power over the mind. Power over the body. And of course that ultimate of all powers is power over death. Christ's power is shown to be complete in Mark's, in, uh, that's right, Mark's Gospel. 
in the, in the first epistle to Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says, For in Adam all die, even so in Christ will all be made alive. So Christ is shown to put right the curse on Adam. That is the most important thing. That's what Jesus was sent into the world for, to put right the curse on Adam brought about in Genesis. Our minds are affected by sin because of Adam. Christ can cure the mind. Our bodies are affected by the curse on Eve. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. It's a curse on the body. This issue of blood that the woman had may well be connected with the same problem. It may well be to do with the reproductive organs. We don't know that but it stands a chance. Finally, in Adam we all die. Adam was told, Unto dust shalt thou return, so Christ can conquer death. So then, Christ shows power over the mind, over the body, and over death. And all those things are found in the book of Genesis, in the curses on Adam and Eve and their descendants. Right then. So we have legion cured power over the mind. And in Mark chapter 5 we find that these unclean spirits are cast out. And we find them mentioned in verse 8. This uh, legion was possessed by evil spirits. And it says verse 8, He said unto him, Come out of the man thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He was inhabited by many of these unclean spirits. In verse 13, Forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Now what is this idea of unclean spirits? One clue to it is the fact that it only occurs in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. We don't find it mentioned in the Old Testament and we don't find it mentioned in the Epistles or the Revelation. So that gives us a clue. Why is it that it occurs this particular part of the Bible? The, the Gospels and the Acts. Well the reason is one happened in between the Old Testament and the New Testament which isn't recorded in the Bible except in the prophecies of Daniel uh, historically what happened between the Old and New Testament isn't recorded as, as history well what happened? Well, what happened there was the Greek Empire and while Israel were under the Greeks uh, they picked up a lot of Greek ideas and Greeks believed in disembodied souls now this idea is quite foreign to the Bible. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So the Bible knows nothing of an immortal soul. The soul is mortal. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. As far as the Bible is concerned, the soul is the body. It's not something separate from the body. It is the body. Man became a living soul in Genesis. He didn't receive one. He became one. And what was he before? He was a dead soul. And now he becomes a living soul. He was told, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. He was not told, Your body will go to the ground, and your soul will go to heaven, or your soul will be wandering around in space. 
he wasn't told anything like that dust thou art unto dust shall thou return nothing to do with anything surviving after death the bible knows nothing about disembodied souls inhabiting the air or the sky or, or anywhere else so what are these unclean spirits well if the soul is the body then it can only be a deranged mind Jesus said to his disciples you know not what spirit you are of when they wanted to call down fire from heaven on the Samaritan villages you know not what spirit you are of what was he talking about there he was talking about their minds wasn't he their mode of thinking is what he was talking about spirit in the bible is mind it's not something separate so legion had a deranged mind well having answered that you're probably thinking well why did he have many spirits then it said that we had, our name is legion for we are many well I've answered part of it but what about the rest of it well someone who's got more than one <coughs> way of thinking in their mind could be described of as having, having many spirits and what do you call someone who has more than one way of thinking in their mind we call him a schizophrenic a split personality some of the time they're one person and some of the time they're another person and in a very serious case the two people could have a conversation but why did he make them go into the swine as a visual aid something to show that the cure was done how else would you know the cure was done you've got to have some way of knowing now in verse 15 what does it say when they came to Jesus they saw him that was possessed with the devil and had had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid now I suggest to you that that's, that's an undesigned proof of the truth of the miracle because nothing changes of someone's personal appearance more than suddenly being in their right mind and they suddenly start to tidy up their appearance and they made themselves look smart but previously it was all disheveled his hair was any old how and his clothing was any old how suddenly he starts to appear smart and he starts showing a normal facial expression they were afraid and the fact that it records that to my mind uh, is, is shows that there's some truth in the miracle now you notice in verse 2 he dwelt among the tombs immediately they met Jesus out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit and Jesus says verse 7 what have I to do with thee what have I to do with thee and then we find in verse 12 the spirits were asked to go into the swine now it's very interesting that in Isaiah chapter 65 perhaps you wouldn't mind turning to this with me in Isaiah 65 the same ideas connect together dwelling among the tombs what have I to do with thee and the spirits going into the swine all connect together in Isaiah 65 and I don't think that's coincidence I think, that's, I think it's very interesting that this is the case in Isaiah 65 and verse 1 I am sought of them that asks not for me I am found of them that sought me not I said 
Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walked in a way that is not good after their own thoughts. A people that provoked me to anger continually to my face. The sacrificed in gardens that burns incense upon altars of brick which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments which eat swine flesh and broth of abominable things is in their vessels which say stand by stand by thyself come not near to me for I am holier than thou these are a smoke in my nose a fire that burneth all the day behold it is written before me I will not keep silence but will recompense even recompense into their bosom your own iniquities and iniquities of your fathers together saith the Lord God which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom now it's interesting to note that it's at verse 1 it says I am sought of them that ask not for me I am found of them that sought me not and what did Jesus what did this devil say to Jesus I, what have I to do with thee this evil spirit said what have I to do with thee found of them that sought me not in verse 4 it says they remain among the graves and eat swine's flesh and Jesus called these spirits to go into the swine and and um, that was the second one and the third one was that they dwell among the tombs verse 4 which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments so those three things that are found in this miracle all occur together in the same passage in Isaiah so that seems to tell me that this miracle has got another meaning beyond what actually happened it's got a symbolical meaning it's as though the man was representing a nation it's as though in symbol Christ is healing the nation but the nation of Israel had to be scattered worldwide and regathered back to the land and Isaiah 65 we won't look at it now but if you carry on reading through Isaiah 65 that's what he talks about so Christ's power to heal one man shows his power to heal a nation now the reference to the tombs takes us back to Adam again dust thou art and unto dust shalt thou return it's there again because he dwelt among the tombs so he's associated with death the very place where he lives is a place of death so we see the link there too well this miracle took place in a Gentile city um, and we, we know that because it says that it was in the Decapolis which are the ten uh, Gentile cities uh, in the land of Israel Jesus preached there and, uh, and look at the result if you turn, turn back to Mark and go up to chapter 7 and verse 31 you see the result of what this man did in chapter 7 verse 31 and 32 
Again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, Jesus came onto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the borders of Decapolis. Now that's where this miracle in chapter 5 happened. It's the same place where this, this legion is healed. It occurs again in chapter 7. And they bring to Jesus one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech and they beseeched him to put his hand on him. Now how did they know about Jesus to send for Jesus the answer is that this legion who had been cured in Mark chapter 5 had gone and actually preached Jesus so when Jesus went back to that area in Mark 7 they already knew about him now this man legion when he was cured Asked Jesus if he could go about with him. I want to come and be one of your disciples. And travel with you. And Jesus said no. He says I want you to go and preach. Now you might think that that was a bit harsh. He just healed this man. He says I want to come and travel around with you. And Jesus says no. And look at the result. The result is in Mark chapter 7. When Jesus goes back there people have already heard of Jesus so when God doesn't answer our prayers or it appears he hasn't answered our prayers it's because God sees the whole picture and we only see part of the picture God, doesn't, God sees the whole picture and we might think God hasn't answered our prayers and he has answered our prayer and the answer isn't the answer we expected and that's how it turned out with this man can I come and travel around with you? And Jesus says no. And you might have thought at the time. That's a bit harsh. And then we read a couple of chapters further on. And we find that Jesus knew what we didn't know. And what the legion didn't know. That he was going to be a vehicle to bring more people to the truth. The next incident we have in Mark chapter 5. Is Jairus' daughter. Now Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue at Capernaum. He was elected from among the elders. He was in charge of the order of public worship. He anointed readers, and the, sorry, appointed readers, and those who did the prayers and preached. He was also responsible for the upkeep of the buildings. Now in verse 22, he shows great humility. It says in verse uh, 22, Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. See the humility there. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, thou come and lay my hands on her, that she may be healed. And this is despite the fact that he's a ruler. And it's an important lesson for all of us here, when we come to Jesus, it doesn't matter what our job is, it doesn't matter what our occupation is, Jesus expects us to show humility before him. And that's a very important point, that he shows his humility. So he listens to Jairus' request and they set off. And there's quite a crowd go with them, Mark tells us. Now we don't know how far the journey was or how long it took, but we know that the journey was interrupted because when we come on to verse 25 we find that the woman with the issue of blood she had an issue of blood for 12 years interrupts the journey she knows that Jesus is going somewhere important 
she knows that no time must be lost since she doesn't want to delay him that's the first thing secondly her problem is a personal one one that she doesn't want to talk about especially in front of a crowd she doesn't want people to really want to know doesn't really want people to know what's wrong with her that's the second thing under the law of Moses she would be permanently unclean if you look at the law of Moses perhaps we could have a quick look at that Leviticus 15 all these things are going through her mind I am an unclean person under the law of Moses I don't want people to know about my problem and Jesus is in a hurry so she's thinking of all these things and in Leviticus sorry that's right Leviticus 15 verse 1 the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron saying speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them when any man hath a running issue out of his flesh because of his issue he is unclean this shall be his uncleanness in his issue whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue it is his uncleanness every bed whereon he lieth that hath the issue is unclean everything whereon he sitteth shall be unclean whoso toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even and he that sitteth on any, anything whereon he sat that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even and he that toucheth the flesh of him that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even now why was there all this strict law under the law of Moses because this uncleanness represented the contagion of sin which takes us back to Adam again the sin we inherit from Adam is contagious but look at her faith in verse 28 for she said if I touch but his garments I shall be made whole now this is an amazing act of faith Jesus did not to teach her have to touch her hand correct he did not need to say anything correct he did not need to do anything correct and she thought he did not need to know but this bit was wrong Jesus felt the power go out and what a lesson this is for her to receive Jesus had to give for us to receive Jesus has to give you can't have one without the other for others to receive of us we have to give what a lesson where would we be without giving and receiving and the Bible has a word for this giving and receiving do you know what it is love love is the giving and receiving from one and another 
So Jesus stops and asks, Who touched me? Many had touched him. Only one had received. Many people are coming in contact with Jesus today. They hear his name. They hear people talk about him. But it's only certain ones who receive from him. It's only certain ones who are affected. And who are the ones who are affected? Who are they? They're the ones who want to be, of course. Like she did. They're the ones who want to be affected. Jesus does not force himself on men. But those who want to receive from him, he will give. And he, and he will know that he has given. You can't receive from him without him knowing that he has given. But notice, Jesus has been delayed. The case was an urgent one, but he has been delayed. And he doesn't mind. This is the thing that's amazing. He doesn't mind. What a lesson. Very different to me, as I will tell you. What are we like when we get delayed? Do we get stressed? I once read that stress is lack of control. And I think there's a lot in that. It's when you don't feel you're in control of the situation, that's when you get stressed. If I'd broken down on the way here today, I expect I would be, have been stressed because I lack control over the situation. But Jesus has it all in control. He's got it all in control. He is the Son of God. He has the power of the Holy Spirit. He has all things into, under his control. But you know what else I find amazing in this chapter? Jairus isn't stressed either. He, he's calm. He was anxious about his daughter. And there's Jesus delayed with this woman. He's not saying, oh come on, leave this woman with my daughter's dying. What a lesson it is for us, isn't it, this? To trust if the answer of our, to our prayers seems delayed. We pray for something, it seems to be delayed, it doesn't seem to be answered. Don't get stressed, don't get panicky. God has it all in control. The woman is cured and she trembles. But have you thought, surely she felt better now than had she gone away thinking that Jesus didn't know? If Jesus hadn't said anything, she would have thought he didn't know. And she's kept all this to herself. And it's all locked up within her bosom. Now, she's opened up and told him the truth. Doesn't she feel better? And aren't we always better to be open and honest with each other than being secretive? There's no future in this being secretive with one another. But our people like to be secretive because they don't want people to know. They don't want people to know they've got cancer or they don't want people to know they've got this or that. Isn't it better when you're open and honest with your brethren and sisters? So it's full of lessons, Mark's Gospel is. Full of lessons. So here is power over the body. So we have power over the mind, body and death. And so far we've seen power over the mind, power over the body. When they arrive at Jairus' daughter, she is dead. But look at verse 39. And when he was entered in, he said unto them, 
Why make ye this ado and weep? We're back to our stress again, aren't we? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. No need to get worked up. The situation is under control. She is not dead, but sleepeth. Now the Bible talks of death as a sleep. <coughs> because as I say, there are no disembodied souls to live on. The dead are unconscious. Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So Jesus using a metaphor here, calling a dead person asleep. And he's often misunderstood. Jesus was always using metaphors of one thing or another, and he was always getting misunderstood. But this is the way Bible talks about death. Thessalonians. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The dead are asleep. For this we say unto you by the word of God, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Jesus says to her, verse 41, he took the damsel by the hand and saith unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Now Talitha Kumi is a bit of Aramaic. Now you may not know, but while Jesus was out and about, he spoke Aramaic. You probably all assumed he spoke Hebrew, because Jews all spoke Hebrew. He, did, he could speak Hebrew, but while he was travelling around with the ordinary common people, he spoke Aramaic and Mark has put the actual words in here that Jesus said Mark could have put it in Greek but he puts it in, in Aramaic the actual words that Jesus used Talitha Kumi and he does this for a good reason because Talitha means little lamb little lamb arise in Aramaic what's the significance of the little lamb Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. That's the significance. And the shepherd is speaking to a lamb. Little lamb, arise. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is using resurrection language language of the resurrection because here we've got a little picture of the resurrection he's raising a woman from the dead and yes she's going to live for a few years and then she's going to die again but nevertheless it's a picture of the resurrection in the future when people will be raised not to die again Jesus is giving us a little cameo of the resurrection to come. So he says, Little lamb, arise. Then what happens? Verse 43. And he charged them that no man should know this, and he commanded that something should be given her to eat. Well, you notice they're all so overcome, they forgot to give her anything to eat. Do you notice that? They're so overcome. I mean, she was dead, and now she's suddenly alive, and 
they're so overcome with the fact that she's alive they don't think oh she's going to be hungry she's going to be thirsty but who remembered that Jesus did didn't he Jesus remembered Jesus knew that she'd need something to eat and isn't that an important lesson it teaches us that Jesus knows all our needs even before we know them ourselves and before we forget the needs of each other Jesus knows, knows their needs though we might forget each other's needs Jesus remembers them so Jesus has power over death that's the third area mind, body and then finally death so three people are cured in this chapter but I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't just heal what it was they thought they had wrong he deals with the whole person what we call today holistic he deals with the whole person not just the, just the complaint you came with and he does that with us too Jesus doesn't just look at the particular problem you've got at the time when you come to the gospel message you've got some particular problem we've all got problems haven't we he deals with the whole person sin and disease are all interconnected the one is not separate from the other so in order to sort out the disease you have to sort out sin and all this requires faith it all depended on faith <clears throat> in verse 12 he asked the spirits to be sent into the swine as an act of faith in verse 28 the woman says if I may but touch them of his garment faith in verse 33 Jesus says thy faith hath made thee whole and in verse 36 he says only believe so it all depended on faith so Jesus will come and raise the dead and set up his kingdom and when he raises people from the dead their bodily ills whatever they may have had in, their, in this life will be cured as well but what's most important is we won't be sinners anymore he'll have cured that too not only does he forgive our sins but once we become resurrected from the dead we won't be sinners anymore and Mark has written this so we can learn of Jesus and believe in him and be baptised and take part in his kingdom thank you we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk.